Welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre reviews, and theatre themed booze. Welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Any newcomers, thank you for um, subscribing. And anyone who's listened before, welcome back. Welcome back. This is a theatre podcast. As the name suggests, we make themed cocktails for one of the shows we've been to see. We'll do some theatre news and then some theatre reviews of shows we have been to see. And this episode, we have got quite a lot of dance, actually. Mm -hmm. We've got one theatre show, which is Stephen Sondheim and Arthur Lorenz's Anyone Can Whistle, the famous Sondheim flop from 1964, (laughs) which is rarely, rarely, rarely revived, but is currently playing at the Southwark Playhouse. And then we have two shows from Southwark Wells. We have Ballet Boys and their new show Deluxe. And we have English National Ballet and the Forsyth Evening. And as always, we start with a top tip from Alice in each episode. So Al, what is your top tip for this episode? My top tip for this week is a show that we have recently booked, which is Punch Drunk's Theatre's new show, The Burnt City. And Punch Drunk is like the world's best, I think, immersive theatre. It's like nothing else. I know like there are loads of cool like immersive theatre around London, but this is the OG, isn't it? They kind of put it on the map. They really did. It's a huge, huge undertaking, massive budget. The one that we went to um, a few years ago was called The Drowned Man. And do you remember? Oh, did you did you come? I don't think I saw it. No. no. Okay, so I went, and it was so cool. They'd taken yeah. over a old post, a derelict post office in Paddington, mm-hmm. so it was like three floor. It was vast. It was like going into another world. I remember this one bit of it, and like you go up in a lift, and you will have to put balaclavas on. It lasts for like three hours. There was like one bit of it, and they had taken over a, a whole floor and put wood chip and actual trees. So I was walking oh, wow. through a forest. Like, it's it's so cool. They've had a show running in New York now for, like, ten years. Like, since that, they took... Is it Sleep No More that went oh, to New York? Oh, and that's in the hospital. And that's been on for ages, even in... Um, if anyone watches Broad City, the comedy show, and if you haven't seen Broad City, where have you been? It's oh so good. Oh, my God, good. it's so funny. Remember in the final season, they went to, basically, Sleep No More. They went to an immersive theatre thing, and it was that's what it was supposed to be. Oh. So they've kind of become ubiquitous with um, interactive theatre, haven't they? Yeah, and they, um, it's really funny because lots of people go and they'll tell you their experience and they may have seen things that you haven't seen. Oh, because you go off and do different, you yes, can it's explore not, it in different ways. You can explore it in different ways. Some people pick a cat, you know, it's a story, it's a, it, it is a production, so you can pick a character and you can, people were literally running with people, at, like That's they're cool. following them yeah. around. But me and my friend, we just were like, kind of walking around and seeing different things. But I remember somebody saying, did you find the basement with the clown? I was like, no. Thank God, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it does. But it was just like apparently a clown in a basement singing, so that was part of something. So this one I'm really excited about. It's called The Burnt City. And the tickets are expensive. It's not cheap. They have sort of range from £55 to £90. Mm-hmm. But they are doing a lottery. And they are doing that with... Time Out magazine. So you need to go onto Time Out, click on the links, you sign up, and that means you can get £25 rush seats to every show, um, and it's limited to two per person. Wait, when do you enter the lottery? Is it a daily thing? It's every noon on uh, Thursday. Oh, every Thursday. And is it for the next... <laughs> every noon on Thursday. Every noon it's Thursday. Every Thursday at noon is the rush 
like the National Theatre then, is it for the following week's performances? Interesting. Okay, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, so I can recommend uh, everyone booking Punch Drunk. It's, It's a really, like, it's such a great experience. Um, just to go and see something on this scale, this kind of immersive scale. Mm. Um, so tickets for the Burnt City uh, Punch Drunk's new show are on sale now, from, and it's running from the 22nd of March to the 28th of August. Okay, so right across summer, basically. Yeah. Cool, can't wait. Woohoo! What else have we got to talk about? My first review, then, is I'll do Anyone Can Whistle. Oh, which yes, it's Southwark Playhouse. Yeah, which you can come to, sadly. I um, I've really been looking forward to this. So Anyone Can Whistle is a Stephen Sondheim show, and obviously he died recently. This is the first Stephen Sondheim show I've been to see. And also it's exciting because it is a rarely produced work of his. It was the second uh, musical he ever did as lyricist and composer. So he'd done Gypsy and West Side Story as lyricist only. And then he branched out on his own to do A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which was a comedy and then this again, which is kind of a comedy. This was his second show in 1964. It ran for nine performances. Is that then, it? Yeah, and then got cancelled. Like, it was a huge flop. Um, I think critics hated it. So the story, the storyline is quite crazy. So it's a very, um, it's a satire, I guess, in that sort of 1960s zany satire. Sort of, I think he once described it as they felt, you know, they'd written it like they were the smartest kind of boys in class and they were sort of making fun of the teachers and the other students who didn't get it. And I think that's why critics perhaps reacted badly. It felt maybe like it was trying to be too clever and satirical Mm. and zany. But the storyline of what there is of it, it's a bit crazy. It's about a corrupt mayor, mayoress, um, Cora Hoover Hooper, and her town is totally bankrupt and then they kind of come up with a scheme to fake a miracle where water springs forth from a rock, healing waters, a bit like in Lords. Mm-hmm. And then we have our other central character, which is uh, Nurse Faye Apple. And she's a nurse at the local insane asylum, as it's referred to. I guess we probably wouldn't use that term now. And she comes with her patients, 49 patients, to let them try the waters to see if it will heal them. And obviously, at which point the mayor, they can't allow that to happen because it will expose that the miracle's fake because they obviously won't be cured. The patients kind of disperse into the community or in this production into the crowd, which was quite fun. The lights come up and they've gone into the crowd and then they can't tell who's who. And that's Mm. what the piece is about, I guess. It's about what is insanity, what's conformity and what's... Anyway, we then have a doctor that comes along, a psychiatrist, Hapgood, who's the male lead, and he kind of comes along and they say, oh, can you help us identify who's who? But he, rather than helping, sort of revels in the insanity of of it all. And there's a whole song about who's crazy, who's not. And he just makes things kind of worse and basically makes it so that the whole town, I guess, is insane. So it's a very crazy, that's kind of the storyline, basically. If you thought, like, Pippin was a bit weird, this is like that precursor to that but even even zania okay i'm with it you've got it that's all you needed to say and that's basically it and this production i guess what they oddly in the program there's a whole the only kind of thing in the program other than pictures and i love pictures in the program is the first two pages you know they give you a bit of maybe context or an article about something Mm. the program is all about miracles and it's about lords and whether miracles are real or not but oddly that's not really i don't think what the this direction has focused on this piece looks more into i guess they've kind of looked at the idea of conformity basically mm-hmm. and a conformist society and what that means and the director georgie rancom 
is non-binary and the actor that plays Hapgood is non-binary and I think two other cast members in the kind of company are they them as well Mm -hmm. because it says all their you know pronouns in the program so that's kind of what they are interested in and I think that works quite well that's a kind of interesting new angle to take on it I think sure um what are the songs like so yeah so wait let me just finish so the story doesn't really work okay sorry it didn't work at the time it doesn't really work now the zaniness is quite annoying it's, it just doesn't really work. It's not a biting satire, particularly, even though they've tried to kind of find this idea of conformity. The story doesn't really do that. However, the music is Stephen Sondheim and it is really good. And there's a couple of kind of standout numbers in this that have become standards. So there's There Won't Be Trumpets, which was originally cut from the original production. Um, a Parade in Town is another number. I should say Angela Lansbury played the original Cora, who is the, who's the crooked mayoress. And the record, the original recording is really good. I love listening to Angela Lansbury. I bloody like, love Angela. So yeah, it's got some good songs. You can tell it's earlier Sondheim musically in that it doesn't have the emotional heft of some of his later work. If you think about, you know, Company or something like Being Alive, what he does so famously with a song of like how it shows a character's inner workings or how within one song he can take you from point A to point B and in a character's emotional journey and motivation. This isn't so much that. This is more kind of just like fun songs. Mm-hmm. But it's a album I really like. I've listened to it quite a bit. There's a parade in town. It's really fun. There won't be trumpets. Everybody says don't, which um, oh, Barbara yes. Streisand does that really good cover of. Oh, that's so interesting that all these songs have... St- like, even though the show is a huge flop, flop, yeah, the songs have stayed around. Yeah, I mean, so they are good, fun songs. I think the there's a five-piece band in this, and occasionally they're a little loud. So a couple of the lyrics got I knew them, so I can like I could just about get my ear in. But mm. I think a lot of people who didn't know it won't have heard things because of how loud the band was, and maybe their mics weren't they just weren't quite loud enough at times. Mm-hmm. I feel like it wasn't picking them up. So that was a bit of a shame. Um, I also thought the choreography was. It was a, what's it called? Um, remember we saw, what was the really good, uh, Once on this Island. Oh, right. So it was two uh, banks of, like, Yeah, beaches. two banks of seats. Like, a, is that called a thrust or catwalk stage where it runs right through the middle, basically, and you're okay. sat on either side. And so I just felt some of the choreography in the uh, musical numbers wasn't as tight as it could have been because of the madness as well of some of the numbers and people running around. It just got a little bit cluttered when it could have been a bit more... Size. Same, mm. I would say, with the costume and set. It just wasn't that step up. We've seen some really good stuff. Southwark Playhouse is a small theatre, but we've seen some amazing... Think of, like, Ain't Misbehaving, how good the set and costume were. Even something Allegro. like... Allegro. Yeah. That was a really good set. Exactly. They'd done really that well layout. Staged. It was like a... It's like an L... Uh, yeah. U. It was yeah. a U shape. So this just didn't have that, I don't think. But the cast were really kind of energetic. I think maybe... They went slightly younger with everyone, I think, in terms of um, Nurse Apple and Hapgood, the central couple. They were quite young actors. It was uh, Christine Sinmore played Nurse Apple and Jordan Broch played Hapgood. And they they were good. I guess they were going for a more youthful kind of vibe. It just, they felt a bit too young to me. Firstly, because Nurse Apple's supposed to be this kind of uptight character I just felt someone so young that energy wasn't quite right for them to be so sort of guarded because they were too young to have really experienced to have guarded themselves off from anything and Hapgood um as a character he's you know uh 
sort of reveling in the the craziness of everything. And because he was young, it just sort of felt a bit, or they, sorry, the actor that played them, because they were so young, it just maybe came across more naive than sort of knowingly mm-hmm. wistful, perhaps. But the real standout and the reason to see this production is Cora is played by Alex Young. And Alex Young is amazing. We saw her in Promises, Promises at Southwark Playhouse. Do you remember that? No, also, no. no, I would never... <laughs> I, the, the moment you asked, you wouldn't no, remember. No, I never remember who anyone is. Okay, but she she was like a, a secondary part in that, but she sort of stole the show. She played a drunk um, girl in one, of these, in one scene in Promises, Promises. And I remember thinking, that's an amazing performance. And then we saw her in Carousel at the Coliseum. She was in Follies at the National, uh, Me and My Girl at Chichester. So she's, oh, she's done some really good stuff. She's a really good musical theatre performer. And yes, she steals the show in this. Obviously, think of Angela Lansbury. Think of what that character must be. It's very comical. She's this crooked mare who um, her first song is called Love Me, Love My Town. And she, so she's full of insecurity. And But to play a sort of crooked mare, but also be kind of lovable, she just has some really good... She has some sort of like almost like Theresa May moments in there, which I thought was a clever interpretation of that female politician character she just does a lot a lot of small moments that the audience were just eating up like and because it was on that stage sometimes she'd be facing away and there'd be a huge laugh and I think oh I've missed one of her I've missed one of her looks but then she'll turn and do one for the other side and you get a laugh so she was just at every moment making the audience laugh well I can't wait to see what she's doing next yeah she was really brilliant and she was the definitely the star of this production um and also because I guess she was a tiny bit older Maybe she just had, had a bit more maturity. And I yeah. felt that that could have probably done to have been in Hapgood and Nurse Apple as well, if there'd been sort of equal level, would have mm-hmm. brought everything up. But yeah, so she was brilliant. And I think she is what makes this show worth seeing, mm-hmm. is her performance, because it was really funny. That's good. Um, but it's just, the, as a show, it just doesn't really work. So I think if you are like me and you're a Sondheim completist... This is a rare opportunity for you to see this because it's not going to be done very often. Very good often. point, Ask. Very good point. Um, if you, yeah, if you want to say I've seen it, go you, and see yeah, it. Yeah, this is it because you won't get to see another production. They might do a concert now and again, every like a concert version of it. But if you want to see a proper production, this is your opportunity. And it's a, a good production. It just, the show, I guess, doesn't really work. And it is a shame that some of the sound I felt was just lacking because what is worth it, although the book, which is written by Arthur Lorenz, who did Gypsy, actually, with Stephen Sondheim, it's just not that good. So you're there for the Sondheim songs. And Alex Young did a really good job with them, but um, even occasionally she got drowned out a little bit, which was a shame. So, yeah, it's not like a production where you think... It's not like Maria Friedman's... Merrily We Roll Along, which was another Sondheim flop at the time, but has since, you know, she made that production a five-star show. Sell out as transferred to Broadway. And it's now considered to be, and it's going back to Broadway with Daniel Radcliffe. Is it? Mm-hmm. Of Maria Friedman's directing again. <gasps> Anyone Can Whistle is never going to be that. It's never, and that's, I think this is proof of that. But yeah, I think I read a four-star review of this in The Guardian and a one-star review in The Telegraph. So it's, it's going to be polarizing. If you love Sondheim, like I do... It's worth seeing. But if you're, you know, I could see people being like, this is absolutely bonkers and, and this is a big absolute no-no. I don't think I'd have enjoyed it. I don't think I... I don't think you would like have, the, no. I don't like saying things. No, like if you know the um, the recording and you know the songs... You then, might have enjoyed it. Yes, but I don't think hearing them in this state, you would necessarily... Some of them I just thought, oh yeah, I don't, 
I wouldn't have got into that in the same way if hadn't I known it already. Okay, well, for those people who do want to go give it a go, when's it on from and how much are the tickets? It runs until May the 7th. Tickets are £27.50 wherever you sit. I was actually sat at the very back corner of the bleachers, so it wasn't like the best seat, but I still had a pretty good view. You can't really get a bad view. In Southwark It's a black box theatre. You're going to have a good seat. £27. They also do various concessions, students, carers, all sorts. So, And those tickets are, I think, 22 um, but yeah, £27, if you want to see this show and you've always thought, oh, I'd love to have seen that sometime show, then this is your opportunity. But it's not, um, it's not merrily. You're not like, wow, this is, this has been underjudged all its <laughs> lifetime. But yeah, I enjoyed it. And Alex Young is amazing. And I've seen so much with her in it. And I will continue now. To, to remember see that things. name. Yes. Yeah, I'll always see things with her because she is um, a musical theatre star. Yes. And how about we have an Anyone Can Whistle themed cocktail? Yes, let's do that. What is it this week? So this week, my idea was based off part of the show, which is the miracle that happens within the show, which is water springing forth from the rock. So this Mm -hmm. cocktail is going to be called Water from a Rock. Oh, it should just be called Water on the Rocks. No? Oh, Water on the Rocks. Yeah, okay, I like that. That's quite funny. Let me go see if I've got any ice. (laughs) Oscar, are you joking? You bloody amateur, you've got no ice. No, I've got ice, don't worry. Okay, you better. So, this is Water from a Rock. This no, is... Water on the Rocks. Sorry, got... <laughs> look, the thing is, I had it all planned and you've changed the title. Water on, on the, the rocks. rocks. It is on the rocks. I found some ice. And this is a gin-based cocktail using bitter lemon because of the bitter truth of the matter was that it was not really a miracle. Okay, I'm with that you. That's just the thing. Right. Also, I saw bitter lemon in the shop the other day and I thought, oh, I never make anything with bitter lemon. So... I'm going to make some with I mean, bitter lemon. Yeah, this is a very easy cocktail. So it's literally yeah. gin and bitter gin, lemon. No, it's gin. Bitter, gin and bitter lemon is a great cocktail. And ice. And ice. But no, this has also got some um, white vermouth in it or dr- a dry vermouth. So it's like a gin and dry vermouth with bitter lemon, a dash of sugar syrup, just so it's not too bitter, and a little lemon twist to finish. It's basically lemon barley with vodka. Yeah, for kids. No, it's gin. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. But I just thought something refreshing, something... Um... Sure, okay. <laughs> Scraping the barrel this week, weren't you? <laughs> Look, these the theatre-themed booze is not always that well-themed. Some shows lend themselves more I know. Well, to the creating one you did, a cocktail. The one you did for, for company, do you remember with the, the creme de menthe? Vodka stinger. The vodka stinger. It does help if the show mentions a cocktail that yeah. I can just steal. <laughs> Whereas this one, I was thinking, what liquid is there in this show? Water from a rock. Um, I just wanted to make some with a bit of lemon. Fair enough. That's it's, the truth. Oh, well, it's nice. It tastes lovely. Yeah. Nice and refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, move on and get into the dance of it all. We've seen two ballets, mm-hmm. both at Sadler's Wells. Um, we saw one together and I went to see one without you. Let's start with the one we saw together, which was the English National Ballet in the Forsyth evening. Oh, yes. Which was really excited to see because you'd sent you'd put something on our Instagram stories um, with the soundtrack yes. and I was like this looks really cool but it was actually our cousin who Alerta Grace oh, sent yes. us a message because she is a trained ballet dancer darling and I think she obviously is more familiar with William Forsyth than than either of us are and so she said are you going to go see this and we were like uh, are we? wasn't on our radar no 
looked it up and was like, absolutely, we're going to see this. So this is called the, I think it's called the Playlist EP. Um, it's a work that's been on before in a shorter version, which was called Playlist Tracks 1 and 2. And now they've added a second piece called Blake Works mm-hmm. 1. And it's all contemporary music. So Blake Works 1 is the music of James Blake. It's, I think, six songs maybe from his album. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece, which um, features five different songs That's of right. sort of house, kind of soul, funk, house remixes of songs. So, but classical ballet. And William Forsyth is a very established choreographer. He worked at Ballet Frankfurt from 1984 to 2004. Mm. I was reading up on him and then had his own company when that company closed for about 10 years after that. And he's always apparently been very like boundary pushing. He does a lot of um, experimental things, incorporating art and installation. And so I think he's always been cutting edge. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to bring this piece with kind of modern contemporary music. Made sense. Yeah, totally. Go on. Okay, it's funny you should say that because his the actual dance was very classical, mm-hmm. wasn't it? It was very very classical. Very everyone is on point. Everyone looked perfect. Mm-hmm. The hair perfect. You know. Yes, it's, it's ballet. It's and proper it's, it's ballet. Not, this is not. It's not like ballet boys, which I went to see, which ballet. was more contemporary, or Matthew Bourne, which is contemporary. Yeah. No, it was lifts, pirouettes. It was formation. Yes, it was like you know, if you imagine what you see, if you're watching like a ballet class and they're warming up at the bar. It was a lot of those sort of moves, those long arms. So like the, the choreography actually, I don't think was really like pushing boundaries that much. It was like the setting and the music, I suppose. It was kind of yes, almost marrying juxtap- all the things together. Yeah, it was kind of a juxtaposition. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what came first? Blake Works was first. So that was all the music of James Blake. Yes, I love James Blake. I love James Blake as well. I think what uh, what we both thought about that was that James Blake's music worked better for the slower, harder yes. numbers. More intense, it, you know. More... Because that's his, his voice is very yeah. emotive. Yeah, James Blake music is moody. It's moody, exactly. And so one of the pieces had a more kind of, um, it was a song of his that had more of a beat behind it. And so the dance was more peppy, jumpy, a bit, you know, the dancers were almost sort of smiling and that didn't work for me. No, me Because neither. I thought even though there's a beat there, you shouldn't really be dancing on the beat. You should be dancing to his lyrics. Yes. Which didn't match. So those numbers I felt looked kind of cool. Looked cool. And but didn't the have choreography an was great and they danced it well. I wanted to just literally put an entirely different soundtrack on it. Yeah. Second um, part of the ballet was called, I think, Playlist EP. Um, and that was a selection of tracks, so a selection of dances. And that, again, I think this one kind of worked better maybe because it was all the different types of music rather than just the one. Mm-hmm. But again, some of them worked for the same reason. Some of them worked and some of them didn't. And I thought, I can't remember which was the one. It was the one that had the female vocal. And it was, again, a clubby number with a beat, but her vocal was very, um, a bit more sultry, a bit kind of... I should look up who it was. You can actually get the playlist on Spotify. If you look up the Forsyth Evening, you can listen to the playlist. Oh, I'm going to do Spotify that in the Because it had some really home. good tracks. But that number, which is, helpfully I can't remember, I felt like the dancing didn't match her vocal. It was a bit too upbeat. When actually, if you listen to the lyrical content and the way she sang it, it was actually more sultry and could have done with that. Um, whereas Location 
which was um, Precious Adams and James Streeter, that number was really good. That we was the part of yeah. and that had that that just the connection between the two of them. It had that it sexy R and B vibe. Yeah. It worked with it. And she was really good. I yeah, thought she that really... got into the groove for me. And I thought, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. Yes. So that number was really good. And we loved the closing. Yes. So, so that's and... when all the dancers came on. The girls had mesh pink tunics with mm-hmm. skirts on. The boys had blue, sort of pale blue, um, like tights. And that, the, the energy really came on stage. And they I just had love everyone. that song. It was Natalie Cole's Best This Will Be. This Will Be an Everlasting oh, Love. Be, that's it. And that was just so like high energy. And that's when it worked really well with that more high energy ballet style. The point, the jumps, the leaps, it all worked. It really lifted the energy. Yeah, it was great. That was such a great closing. And that whole, the whole company basically on stage. I don't know how many dancers it was, but it was a big company all dancing together in perfect unison. It was just, that was a really, really great ending. That really worked. I quite like the Barry White number as well, actually. I can't remember what that was called, but that had quite kind of a fun energy. Yeah. So I yeah. It was a mi- so basically, what we're saying is, it was a mixed bag. If you don't see a lot of ballet or haven't seen a lot of ballet, I would definitely recommend oh, going wow. to see yeah. this because it's a really good introduction to some amazing dancing in a cool in a cool way. Like it'll yeah. hold your attention totally. Yeah. But the dancers are incredible. English National Ballet are just amazing. So it's like just flawless dance, like also incredible. This, it's this isn't really done very often. I mean, the last thing that we saw like this was San Francisco Ballet. They, they did this amazing Bjork piece, but this it's not done very often. This, I think this to, was 2018 was the last time they did the short version. But looking on Instagram, I saw a couple of other ballet people that I follow messaging saying about when they did it. So San Francisco Ballet have done this before, they? or they've done the playlist part oh. before. So it's worth kind of keeping your eye out if you live somewhere else. And the other ba- other ballet companies will do other works like this because William Forsyth now doesn't have his own company. Will will work with different companies. So I would say keep your eyes peeled mm. for a Forsyth evening. Mm. And I'll definitely be kind of interested to see his other work when he came out at the end. Can he's, he's, he's seventy? No, he's seventy two. Oh, he looks so young. Yeah, he looked when, like, like he, he looked, looked in his forties or fifties. Yeah. I mean that's what being a professional dancer and continuing to work I guess will do for you never stop that energy yeah he I just can't believe he was 72 he just looks so like cool and um and still creating kind of fun exciting work with with world-class companies with young people maybe hanging around with a load of young people helps absolutely getting that energy and that creativity and collaboration Mm. yeah I really loved it I think uh English National Ballet let's definitely try and see some more of their stuff and I'll keep my eyes out for William Forsyth's. It was a really good atmosphere in the audience as well. I noticed a lot of like clapping and, and like people. Yes, the they... audience were really involved with this, and usually you don't get that in dance. It's very quiet usually. I think that's what the music does for you because the music is kind of saying this isn't you know classical ballet. This is this is you know we're trying to bring this club feel, so you can bring that if you want to. So yeah. that gave people that. And I actually think it's really. I think it's really bold and really clever of them to have done something like this because, and that's what English National Ballet are like striving to do, aren't they? Yeah, they're trying to absolutely. get, they, you know, the, the core people that are going to see your Swan Lakes and everything, they're going to die soon. <laughs> they are, it's true. They're losing yeah. all the, all the, well, yes, all you their do patrons. Need to get new... You need to get younger people involved and, and thinking that was a great night out. Yeah. But it's a good way to do it that's not pandering because they're doing proper classical ballet, but with different kind of music. And maybe another time they'll do more contemporary 
dance style but with a more classical like mixing it up is really a good way to do it rather than saying it's either got to be all one thing or all another yeah because be... you know taking one of my friends to see swan lake and having to sit through you know eight minutes of the peasants dance at the beginning no thanks <laughs> always so many peasants it's so dull it's so dull but these are like scriptures that cannot be edited yeah so totally. it's like i think it's great that companies are doing things yeah, like this absolutely loved it so if you want to go and see the Forsyth evening at well, Sadler's Well, we were hoping to record this review oh. a bit earlier because it's gonna it closes on the tenth. So if I can, this, you probably listen to this podcast on the day that it closes. But the takeaway is it might be done by another company if you live elsewhere in the world. So look out for it and also just go see something else by English National Ballet. This will come back. It's a repertory company. Things do cycle back round and. So you just have to keep your eye out for things like Bjork Ballet. And um, if ever that is done anywhere. I'll be getting a front row seat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it will have probably closed by the time you're listening to this. But it was really worth seeing. And um, English National Ballet, who I haven't seen for a long time, actually, um, were incredible. And worth looking at what else is on at Saddle as well, because they do have such fun stuff. Yeah. Um, the spring season's just just launched. And they're also doing, which I think is amazing, a Barclay card Um Within in collaboration with Barclays, mm-hmm. if you're 16 to 30, you can get mm-hmm. £10 seats for a lot of stuff. Wow. Because usually really these things are like 16 to 21. Yeah. 16 to 30 is like really good. £10 for yeah. loads. Of, you just sign up and create a profile and there's no like rush or day you can do yeah. it and you can just book tickets for anything you That's want. That's really good. Yeah. We're going to see The Crucible by Scottish... Um, Ooh, Scottish, like National Ballet, Scottish National Ballet which we would recommend and we saw Northern Ballet's Casanova a few years back which we really liked and that is coming back that's kind of cool sexy ballet yeah. so um, that would be another recommendation and if you're under 30 you're lucky enough to be under 30 get those cheap tickets so I also went to see Ballet Boys which is a very contemporary um, dance company I've reviewed shows of them before I really like their work yeah how would you describe ballet boys to somebody like as a company uh all male company all young dancers um it's you a lot of male choreographers in the past but which makes this new show unique in that it's only female choreographers this time oh. but yeah a very kind of male energy whatever that Masculine might mean and kind of like but it's in like, a multitude of ways it's not like um to, you know to use the word masculine might mean different things to different people it's not all like oi, oi. i just mean it's, like as in it's very it's energetic well, it's, yes. it's not like matthew bourne which i think the male like yeah i suppose it is what you define as masculinity isn't it i guess yeah but this uh they work together as male dancers lifting each other yeah. it's got a lot of physicality a lot of energy a lot of strength yeah um and they do a really wide variety of works. They don't do narrative pieces. It's always um, contemporary kind of non-narrative, well, you know, small, smaller works. And this piece is only two works, actually. All the previous ones I've seen have been at least three. But this is just two works, quite a short evening, but a half hour interval. Don't really appreciate. Yeah, so the show was... It's a bit unnecessary. Was that because of a scene change or anything? Not really. Mm-hmm. And it was only an hour and 20 minute show. And half an hour, half an hour of that was interval. So it was less than an hour of dance, which is fine. But I kind of felt like, could we not have gone home a bit earlier? You're just yeah. making us hang around. Maybe the dancers needed a rest because as we've just said, it's very energetic. So the two pieces, the first one was called Ripple. And the choreographer, if I'm pronouncing it right, is Zi Zin. Um, she's from Shanghai. Music was by a Chinese composer called Zhang Shofeng, mm-hmm. who's also apparently considered China's best tap dancer. I know. No. So we must must look them up. We love tap. Yeah. Um, so the uh, Ripple, it was all about 
rippling movement um, and how ripples ripple on out. So it was quite a lyrical piece and they were wearing flowy kind of, I could feel her sort of Chinese heritage in that sort of mix, maybe like of sort of martial arts, Tai Chi movement, very flowy and but strength at the same time and quite darkly lit and very hypnotic. I sort of found myself being a bit like, oh, I've sort of like got lost in... Really? You know, that way sometimes, not that you drift off, but you almost you almost drift off in that hypnotic way of watching this kind of flowing... Maybe that's what they wanted. Yeah, totally. Um, this, yeah, flowing movement and reaction, cause and reaction, you know, like dropping a pebble in a mm. lake and watching the ripples go. So that was really interesting and the music was quite hypnotic and again had, you could hear sort of that, Chinese sound in it um so that was really interesting and interesting having all female choreographers choreographers for this piece and before each piece they played a little video because the ballet boys do a lot of filming work they filmed the Royal Ballet's Romeo and Juliet film and they always they always do a lot of filming for their pieces so we saw it in rehearsal and they talked to their choreographer and that was quite interesting to watch Mm. a little film before each dance piece to kind of explain what the piece is going to be about and they made it kind of funny they have quite a, a light touch to where it was edited so it was quite yeah so that was an interesting touch to have and also actually at the very beginning they had a short film where the old company danced with the new company so this is all new dancers I think from last time I saw them maybe bar one dancer has followed over but they've done a sort of overhaul of the company and introduced a lot of new dancers and so there was a little dance piece film at the beginning in which we were introduced to the new dancers. That was quite fun. And then we had that piece. Then we had our half hour interval. And then we came back for a piece called, what was it called? Bradley 418. We again saw a, a short film with the choreographer. And am I saying that weirdly? Choreographer. No. Choreographer. I feel like I'm saying choreographer. <laughs> no, you didn't. Choreographer. You said it fine. Okay. And about, um, I think it was based on a poem about a guy at 4.18 in the morning. So this one was really explicitly about maleness and about all the different facets of a young man, I guess, from insecurity, anger, vulnerability. And so each member of the company came on and did a solo playing a different part of this character, Bradley. That sounds interesting. And it was choreographed by Maxine Doyle, who is a choreographer and co-director for Punch Drunk. Interestingly, tying it all back, so she did Sleep No More, I think, and The Drowned Man. How so interesting. Yeah, so um, it was very kinetic. And uh, the music was by Cassie Kenoshi, who is jazz composer, I guess. Female composer, too. And it had... Have you ever seen the film Whiplash? Yes. It had... It sounded very like Whiplash, that jazz, really upbeat, fast, high-tempo jazz and so it was a really energetic piece and they sort of would come on and occasionally there was also some pre-recorded dialogue of like Bradley's inner thoughts that they would sort of lip sync to. So it was very frenetic, very powerful. I thought it was slightly a shame and I know they can't do this on a tour for like budgetary reasons and availability, I'm sure. But Cassie Kenoshi in the video at the beginning, they, they played the music live in the rehearsal studio for the dancers and then, obviously, at Sadler's Wells, it wasn't live. And I kind of thought, oh, it really would have taken the piece to the next level if we had a full live jazz band playing it. Oh, it would. But I know they're on a big tour of the UK. It and they can't do that and it's expensive. However, at Sadler's Wells, 
like don't tell me the tickets aren't more expensive at Sadler's than they're going to be in Horsham because they are like our tickets were 50 pounds or 60 pounds and that's more than the regional locations I'm sure are going to be so I kind of feel like for Sadler's Wells they probably should have had for those few nights the live band also to get a live jazz band like there are so many musicians jazz musicians probably in London it's not that you're going to have to yeah. you know put them up in hotels all over the tour yeah exactly but, I felt it would have really yeah. made it quite amazing but it still sounded really good the recording and the lighting was very dynamic I love ballet boys and I will see everything that they do because they always bring something new and interesting which bit which piece was your favorite I think probably I went with Rory and he preferred I think the first one uh, by Zizin and I think I preferred the Maxine Doyle one just a bit like the energy was quite cool mm-hmm. and this has got a tour that's going around lots of locations sometimes for one night only it tours until the 19th of May so just go on Ballet Boys and that's Boys with a Z on the end website and you can see all the locations where it's going to and yeah I think it's really worth seeing and I'll see all their pieces always but yeah, really good. So I think the two things that's in at Sadler's Wells is always, um, we always see some really good stuff there. Memorable things to be seen at Sadler's Wells, I feel. Totally. And I'm really looking forward to the Crucible. That's yes, going to be so cool. Great. With, what yeah. a great text. Yeah. And I can already just imagine those pilgrimy outfits. You know, it's going to have a lot of on intensity. The, on, on the point shoes, the girls mm. coming in and these smocks and bonnets. Yeah, I can picture that. Me it's too. going to be really good. What have we got coming up? Oh, Zorro, the musical, is our next show we're going to see at Charing Cross Cross Theatre, which should be quite cool because it's music by the Gypsy Kings, you know, Bamboleo, (laughs) Bamboleo, which if anyone went on a holiday in the 90s anywhere, I feel like that was just on at every kind of like (laughs) bar in Spain, anywhere in the Mediterranean, it was just that, it was huge, wasn't it? So that should be quite fun. And we haven't been to Charing Cross for ages. Fun musical as well. Zorro's like a fun kind of musical. Yeah. Yeah, really looking forward to that. And we've also got, I feel like there's one more show now. We've not got something. I'm going to see Lilius White at Crazy Cox, who is an amazing Broadway singer. Most people recognise her voice as one of the fates in Hercules, the Disney cartoon. She's just an absolute pro and I cannot wait to see her live. That's it. Oh, they do really good dirty martinis there. Mm. Oh, yum. Although last time I went, I got a gin one instead of a vodka, and I've now decided that I'm more of a vodka martini. That goes without saying, Oscar. Why don't you check these things with me? Well, Obviously. sometimes, okay, but sometimes I like a Gibson, which is gin with a little cocktail onion instead of the olive. Yes, but a martini is always vodka. Well, not traditionally. No, I know, but we but like yes. that. Yeah. 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 I don't want it gin. It never tastes quite right. No, especially not with the olive. I don't think the olive and the gin go. No, because it's juniper-y and then it doesn't work. Whereas the kind of briny cocktail onion, I feel like, does go with the gin better. Yeah, or with a dirty martini with vodka. Yeah, Ice cold vodka. Mm. Okay, well, we'll be back soon with those two reviews, plus any other news that we can think of. If there's something you'd like us to review or um, know where to get tickets or seats, please do let us know. At Theatre Club Podcast Instagram is the best way to um, reach out to us. So until next time, this has been Theatre Club Podcast. I've been Oscar. I'm Alice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.